Hey guys, this is Larissa Page, and you are listening to Comics for Fun and Profit with Kyle and Drew. Be sure to check out my newest cosplays on Instagram at Larissa Page Cosplay. Aloha, guys. This is Jason from Hawaii. I'm here with the legendary George Perez. Mr. Perez, welcome to Hawaii. How do you like Hawaii so far? Oh, I love it. I mean, I, this is my second time here. It's always been. Mm-hmm. A, I've always been very lucky getting the sunshine. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, we know you're going to be starting a new chapter in your life. So, what plans do you have for the future now? Well, I, I tend to re, uh, plan to relax. I mean, I still intend to draw. It's just that, of course, trying to draw on deadlines is not something I can do. So, I can do, I can draw just for the sheer love of mm-hmm. drawing. Um, no immediate plans. Just. Uh, uh, just enjoying a, a relaxing life and of course this year being the, the my uh, farewell tour mm-hmm. I'll be saying I'll be able to say goodbye to a lot of the fans who have been very very good to me any last words to your fans well thank you for making my life the envy of kings <laughs> mr. Perez thank you very much for this time it's an honor thank you thank you this is Jason from Hawaii I'm here at amazing Comic Con with living legend Neil Adams. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, because you're the man who brought, you know, Dark Knight. Um, you guys brought, you, you guys made Dark Knight um, dark again. You know what Living Legend does for you? It gets you on the subway with that and two two dollars and seventy five cents. Okay, that's what it. Uh huh. (laughs) So, hey guys, what do you got? See, we gotta have interruption. No, no, it's all right. Also, too, well, like you said, Living Legends gets you on the subway a little cheaper. No, but also same t- price. All right. Same <laughs> price. All right. And then also... And you still have to tighten the nuts on the toilet seat when you get loose. <laughs> there you go. You also brought social issues in as well. Um, you're um, 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 a rights advocate for artists. See, this guy told me we we're, were going to talk about comic books. Too, and, I, and I said we could talk about Sasquatch <laughs> and Bigfoot and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the growing earth and yeah. uh, we're not talking about it we're talking about comic books <laughs> you tricked me rabbit <laughs> can I sign that for you young man uh, yes that's his book so he'll take it on whoever it. hands it to me <laughs> I'm a whore <laughs> I like to get that on the record <laughs> my favorite thing on this cover is this guy getting his head shot in half yes. <laughs> <laughs> favorite thing I don't know why that thrills me so much I think that's what you should do with zombies is shoot their heads in half. Wow. And the zombies on that show are so stupid. They'll walk up to the muzzle of your gun while they're trying to, and you just blow them away. 
They're stupid. And the people are stupid, too. They go into the buildings. Yes. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with them? <laughs> you go into a building that has zombies in it, wait outside, make a noise, then shoot them as they come out. Yeah. I know, but that would be one show and that would be it, right? <laughs> I get it. I, I think it'll be too boring. Yeah, knock them off. <laughs> anyway. Or you could make smart zombies. Yeah. Uh, like in the movie. Remember that movie? Oh, like... Uh, Woo! Wow. wow. <laughs> Those are mean zombies. Take it easy, guys. Thank you. Thank I'll you. see you later. Okay. So I wanted to... Um, um, I want you to talk about Continuity Studios. You know, like, when did it start? And It started when uh, Carmine Infantino and I realized that I was spending too much time at DC Comics doing covers for them, mm-hmm. and I would uh, have my own studio. So I rented a space, and I began Continuity Studios. Mm-hmm. It was a sort of a fluke. Oh, okay. Uh, what do you mean, like a fluke? I mean, well, I, I just wanted to get a little studio, yes. and, uh, you know, like one room. Mm-hmm. And this guy I knew I was doing work with, um, he had a big, he had a floor. Mm-hmm in a small building and he said why don't you rent the floor mm-hmm. and I said I can't afford to rent the floor he said well if we're moving out it's going to take us a year to move out to a new place and we're building so you can take it a space at a time oh okay so a year later when he moved out I took the whole space oh, mm-hmm. and guys rented spaces in there and mm-hmm. we, we started to build a company mm-hmm. and uh, and we don't know actually what we do with the company but we seem to do very well mm-hmm so, uh, so that's that's basically what continuity is. It's a it's a it's a um, it's a mystery wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. The studio started. When did the studio opened up? I don't know. Long time ago. Okay. All right. Long time ago. And then because I was looking some information up on the web, yeah, uh, your website. You know, that's the kind of geeky stuff that geeks do. I don't. I don't do that. I don't. I don't like ask me what issue is this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You guys are, you guys are the collectors. You're supposed <laughs> to know that stuff. I don't know it. Uh-huh. No idea. Uh huh. And I don't care. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because it's done, right? It's I got five kids, and I got grandkids, and I got a studio to run. I can't <laughs> memorize, you know, the numbers of comic books. That's like uh-huh. weird. If if I did that in front of real people, they go, he remembers the numbers of the comic books that he did. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's weird. My dentist would go, are you okay? <laughs> so, no, it's a little weird for normal civilians. No. Mm-hmm. Um, continuity Studios, doesn't it also, like, um, do commercials and so forth? Oh, yeah. We do a lot of commercials, though. Uh-huh. You're not aware of the fact that I've been gone for three decades. Are no, you? I, I know. You have been gone for a while. That's right. When you when the I'm news broke that you're doing Batman Odyssey, I was so excited. Right, right. Yeah. And it's uh, what is it now? Thirteen books, twenty-five pages each. Three hundred and twenty-five pages. Mm-hmm. Hey, a good size for maybe two movies. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Glad I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. You, before the interview, like you said, I already blew one question already. I'm going to ask it again. So you, you mentioned about um, continuity studios. You guys are going to start doing comics again? That's what I hear. That's the rumor. Uh-huh. There's hundreds of pages lying around up in continuity ready to ready to print. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to start with Rise of Magic. And I'm going to even be doing interiors. That's nice. So I'm going to be working for Marvel and for DC and for continuity. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you have to ask me what I'm going to be doing for Marvel. 
Okay. What are you going to be doing for Marvel? Well, word has it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true, but I think it's true. Mm-hmm. That somebody's going to be doing a series, a series of Fantastic Four books. Oh, I wonder who that is. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. And I right now I'm finishing up a series for DC Comics of Dead Man, Batman, and Ra's Al Ghul, called um, Batman um, the Demigods. One. Yeah, the Demigods one. When does that come up? Well, I don't know. Okay. Because you know the idea is to finish. More than half of it before it start coming out, mm-hmm. so you're not late on anything. Yes. So stuff all comes out in a rush. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it all to come out like quickly, you know, in a bunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's possible they could co- have it come out weekly. Mm-hmm. That would be not bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then do the collection. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. They've they've short they've the uh, Batman Odyssey, and that you can't get it anymore. Can't find if you try to find Batman Odyssey, you can get maybe used copies on Amazon. Uh huh. And you could have gotten it at in the omnibus, mm-hmm, yes. but they sold out of the omnibus in like no time. Mm-hmm. So there's no new copies of Batman Odyssey anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're not really keeping up with the marketplace, the uh-huh. old DC Comics. So I think we're going to push them to have that out again because it's part of the end of the story. Mm-hmm. You really have to read Batman Odyssey, yeah, okay. then and then uh, the Dead Man series, and now the new uh, the new Batman Dead Man Ra's al Ghul book because it's all really one story. It's intelligent. it's actually you have to read it mm-hmm. with your with your mind open and yeah. think about what's out there going on in the world today. It's not political, mm-hmm. but it has to do with fuel resources and all kinds of other things that you know we comic book fans don't necessarily think about all the time it's it's more than uh, just a speedy as a junkie Mm -hmm. more okay you gotta read it alright there's little clues in Batman Odyssey I'm telling you I have every issue of Batman Odyssey yes but do you remember all the incidents all right, gonna, I'm going to mention an incident. You tell me if you remember. They're in the at the pier okay. where the dinosaurs are being stolen. Dinosaur models are being stolen. The store that sequence is ending, and Riddler's being taken away. But it's not really the Riddler. And Batman goes to the back of a car, mm-hmm. and by, at the exhaust, he turns a little valve on the exhaust, puts a glass under it. And water comes out, and he closes the valve, it t- picks it up, and he drinks it. Do you remember that? No. No, you don't remember, because it just sort of floated by. Yes. Right? But you have to read everything. There's a reason that that happened. Mm-hmm. What could that be? How can you drink water out of the exhaust of a car? Mm-hmm. You'd have to have an engine yes. that made water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder what that would be. Is there such a thing? Is there a car that runs on water? Uh-huh. Or hydrogen and oxygen? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, you yes. got to think here. Okay. I just want to go back to Continuity Studios. You say you guys are going to start up with new comics. We're um, going to do Rise of Magic. We started Rise of Magic, then we pulled it back 
because we had the crash the crash in the comic book business mm -hmm. where like 1500 stores went out of business oh, and the okay. collectors practically destroyed the market mm. by overbuying and then and then they stopped mm -hmm. bang and uh, it was crazy so I just and I was publishing that and I had sold Death Watch 2000 I was going into the rise of magic mm -hmm. and the and the market went exploded mm -hmm. so I just went pull back mm -hmm. And I did commercial art, mm -hmm. yes. which there's more money. Yes. <laughs> I remember that when you talked about it in previous um, interviews with like yeah. Kevin Smith yeah. and John Suntress. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 There you go. But now we're coming back because I think this is the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any top name writers and artists or any upcoming rising superstars you want to give what a did shout you think out of, to? What did you think of the people who did Batman, uh, did continuity comics? Do you think that it's possible that we're going to come out with Continuity Comics and everybody isn't want, going to want to come to Continuity? Yes. <laughs> I think they'll want to. Yes. Mm -hmm. be crazy not to. Yes. We're there to have fun. Yes. That's good. And uh, I, I think, you know, I don't want to say we're going to have our choice, mm -hmm. but I think we're going to bring new guys along. I think nice. we'll have got other guys that, uh, you know, are are already out there mm -hmm. uh, wanting to do experimental stuff a little mm -hmm. bit. That's going to be and, nice. Uh, I, no, it's going to be it's going to be the third company. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to watch it happen. Um, when are you guys going to start releasing these comics? Which comics? The, uh, the continuity uh, ones. Ah, that's a secret. You're okay. not going to know that until it gets announced. Okay. DC Comics doesn't do things unless they're... you got to announce it. You know? It's yeah. got to oh, be yes. a big announcement. Uh, oh, yes. I think everyone knows about the Batman 50 wedding issue yeah <laughs> right everybody heard about that yes <laughs> now we got that one coming out that's yes. the, uh, the uh, detective comic 1000 yes mm -hmm. okay and those are my three covers uh huh and uh, uh, they're already selling pre-selling nice. on the internet mm -hmm. and uh, we've sold well I can't say how many we've sold but no. we've sold a lot yes mm -hmm. in fact I'm a little sorry that we had our print run the size it is I'm thinking I should have doubled the print run mm-hmm People kind of like that stuff. They like that. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, guys. We're looking at Neil Adams' variant card of card cover of um, Batman Fifty behind him. Thank you. And then, yeah. um, I want to ask you one other question. Um, who are the Krusty Bunkers, and what are they? Uh, there's no such thing, but there is. But there is. Krusty Bunkers is a phrase that what was kicking around the studio at the time. And we had to come up with a name for what we were doing. What we were doing was saving art. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't want uh, Vinnie Coletta to be inking a particular book, like Howard Chaikin's uh, Fafford and the Grey Mauser. Mm -hmm. And uh, because the, although the book may not have been drawn wonderfully, it certainly was experimental and interesting. So if you turn it over to somebody like Vinnie Coletta, he's going to ruin it. I mean, Vinnie Coletta has ruined more comic books than any five artists have inked. So how do you save it? Well, we, I volunteered to ink it. Yes. But I didn't have the time to ink it. Yes. So in the studio, I would have in the evening, as we get to the evening, as people would drop in, I'd sit them down and I'd have them ink stuff on the book. And I wouldn't let them ink the stuff that they couldn't ink. And mm -hmm. I let them only ink the stuff that they could ink. And everybody wanted to ink the female figures. And, of course, I had to chop their hands off when they <laughs> did that. And I let people ink what they, what seemed to be good. Mm -hmm. And I warned them that they weren't going to get paid well. Mm -hmm. 
but we were saving a book. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we saved Howard Shake and stuff. We saved uh, Frank Brunner stuff on Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, we did we did some really nice uh, really uh-huh. nice saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, it was going to be sacrificed to uh, Vinnie Coletta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Got some books for you to sign. I still have the signing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. You're going to be more nuts. I love them. Mm-hmm. I love them. I really, really love them. But this is like after I've ha- already had a can. Ah, I like this one. I love it. Why is this so new looking? Is this a reprint? No, yeah. it's the... It's oh, it's this? Oh, yeah. It's the 227 and the... Yeah, right. The, 30, the 43. Everybody likes this cover. And this is the Batman Detective cover Comics variant number 49. Got the one of the um, fans is bringing. These are all I have 27 homages to Neil Adams. Fantastic cover. They called me and they said, "How'd you like to do 27 homages to a great comic book artist cover?" And I said, sure, what the hell? I said, who is this great comic book artist? They said, you. Mm-hmm. And then I thought for a minute, I thought, who has 25 covers? <laughs> you know, except me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I got probably 100. You know. so better weather was It's great. Come on. Come on. It's great. We love it. If it gets too hot, we don't like it. You guys have hot stuff here, too. Mr. Adams, I'm going to start wrapping this up. I'm just going to close up. Mr. Adams, thank you very much for your pleasure. time. A pleasure. We're thank having you. fun here. Yes, we are. All right. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Cosplayer Larissa Page. Hi, Larissa. Welcome to the island. Hello. I'm happy to be here. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Larissa Page Cosplay and Facebook at Larissa Page Cosplay. Twitter is Larissa P Cosplay. And then I also have a Patreon that's Larissa Page Cosplay. <laughs> All right. Before we continue the um, this um, before we continue the episode, I just want to give you guys a heads up that um, me. Well, I know Larissa. You just got you guys got in last night at ten o'clock, right? Last night. Sure did. <laughs> Haven't been here twenty four hours yet. And I I may be a little punchy because for the last three to four days I've been going to bed at twelve twelve thirty, waking up at four thirty. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So but we're gonna continue on with the interview. So how do you like Hawaii so so far? I love it. I've been to the Big Island twice, and this is my first time on Oahu in Honolulu, and it's absolutely stunning. I'm very, very, very happy to be here. I'm very, very, very thankful to Amazing Aloha for providing this opportunity for me. That's really nice. And then where where are you from originally? I am born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) And before we started the interview, you said it's snowing over there right now, right? It is currently snowing, and everybody is very mad that I'm here, and... I'm very happy that I am here and not in the snow. Okay. Um, you know, um, um, my next question is going to be, are you, you know, are you like a pop culture fan, like magazine or comics or manga or anything like that? I sure am. I like Marvel Comics, and then I also like Star Trek. All about the Star Trek. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, like, um, is there a particular Star Trek series you, you love? 
I love the original series, and then I am also actually a huge fan of Star Trek Discovery. I have one of Captain Lorca's quotes tattooed on my leg. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm going to ask, um, have you ever met any of the original cast members at a convention or anything? I have. I've met Nichelle Nichols, and then I've met Walter, who was Chekhov, and then I've met William Shatner once mm-hmm. a long time ago. Uh-huh. I think that's it. I think that's all I remember. <laughs> Do you try to go out to, I think, the Star Trek conventions in Vegas? I have been twice. I go and I help out Garrett Wong at his table, and it is, like, the best convention. I love it. I love it. If you ever have the chance to go to Star Trek Las Vegas and that's, like, you like Star Trek, I highly recommend it. Okay, so, I'm, okay, so I know we're kind of digressing from the questions. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask, so you, do you know Garrett Wong? I do know Garrett Wong. Oh, okay. I love him. He's very nice. He's one of my favorite people. Okay. Um, because I know he was here um, actually last year at the Big Island Convention. Yep. He was, and he just got announced that he's going to be there again in September. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, now it's like I'm wondering if I need to save up money. Yeah. It's a great show. It is. I've, I've been a cosplay guest at that one twice, and I love it. It's a great show. That- so that's why that, you're that at the one, Big Island. That's the one. That's why I've been to the Big Island. Okay. I've never been to Hawaii for vacation. I've only been for conventions. Okay. So, um, now, um, let's see. I'm, um, um, God, <laughs> I, I know. I'm, now, this, the whole interview has shifted. I, if you don't mind me asking, so, if you don't mind me, how did you meet Garrett Wong and... You know, I actually met Garrett at a convention in Colorado Springs called Galaxy Fest, and I know he does, I think he does their programming and stuff, mm-hmm. and so I met him there, and then uh, he needed help in Las Vegas, and since I live in Salt Lake City, it's a really close drive, so I was able to go down and help him, and then I also went and helped him at Dragon Con as well, where he does all the Trek Trek stuff. He is their programming director that's, for Star Trek for Dragon Con. That's right, because he does that now. That, yep. that, that's his, like, that's his, um... He does um, a lot. Stuff, yeah. He does a lot of stuff. <laughs> Are you going to talk to Jimmy? Uh, and that's Jimmy Jade, the organizer. Amazing to bring Garrett here one day. I, I can. I will be like, hey, Garrett needs to come to this because Garrett just brings great panels and he's really good at hosting panels. Garrett does a lot. Garrett's fantastic. I love him. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, um, let's see. Um, oh, let's go back to. Um, you said you read Marvel Comics, like. Um, are you currently reading anything right now? Not right now because it's been a hot minute since I've been to my local comic book store. But if I can recommend um, like a, a book for people, read The Visions. That was done by Tom King. It came out in 2016. It is my favorite comic run. It's about 11 or 12 issues and it is fantastic. Love it. It's been getting real good reviews. And that's one that um, me and the... Um, guys on the uh, on the podcast on our slack channel we talk about that so yeah okay all right sorry um i'm going to go back to the um, questions i'm sorry so what drew you into cosplay so for my 21st birthday i got tickets to san diego comic-con and so this was about five years ago now and i loved this is when i kind of fell into star trek and i was like there you have comic-cons this is a thing i don't know what people do and so i looked it up and i saw that people dressed up and i'm like i can dress up that's mm-hmm. easy that's fun right um i'm gonna ask do you like have like do you have like um someone you look up to in cosplay um or anything like that there's 
I look up to a handful of people because everybody in their style of cosplay is always different. Like you have Yaya Han, who's a master seamstress, and Jessica Negri, who's a fantastic builder. And then you have Leanna Vamp, who's like turned it into a career where she now hosts stuff. She like hosts the red carpet for The Walking Dead, and she has her own like ghost hunting show coming out. And it's like, there's a handful of people because everybody in the community is so different. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can look up to Jessica Negri for her armor builds and Yaya Han, who I use like this. um, So I'm wearing the Lara Croft dive suit from the Tomb Raider Underworld game. And I'm actually using Yaya Han's fabric for it. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of great people. Um, I'm I'm sitting here with my friend Dez, and when I first started, like I looked up to Dez and I was like, what day? Yeah, (laughs) pull that face with me. Dez, you want to say hi real quick? Hi, I'm Dez, also known as Dez Creepcore. I also cosplay. Like, I looked up to you in the Utah community because I was like, look at her. She goes to shows. That's, like, the coolest thing ever. Like, you know, if these local people can do it, maybe I can do it, too. So, yeah, I looked up to you when I first started because I didn't didn't know you could go to Comic-Con with it. I had no idea. So, okay, so you've been doing it for about five years now, right, Larissa? And then Des, how long have you? Sorry, now I'm now it's not. Now Des is this, this this interview is like switching from Star Trek to single interview to him. So, but yeah, so Des, so how long have you been cosplaying? I've been doing this for about five years now, professionally. Um, maybe seven, with fun and professionally, I guess. And is this your first time to Hawaii? It is my first time ever, ever, ever in Hawaii, and I'm in love with it. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. I'm never going to leave. Uh-huh. <laughs> you guys are stuck with me. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, what is the process of coming up with a costume design? Like, you're, you know, like, if you see something, what's your thought process? So, it all depends, because sometimes I will do a cosplay to what city I'm going to. Like, oh, okay. I did the Lara Croft dive suit, because I'm like, why? That's fantastic. And, um... I had another good example that I now just forgot. Um, I have an island, like a poison ivy that is made with island leaves and flowers that I'll be wearing on Sunday. So a lot of it is like where I'm going. Sometimes it's if I'm going over a holiday, like if I book a show for over May 4th, I will do something Star Wars because may the 4th be with you. It all depends. And sometimes it's like I'll be watching TV or reading a comic. I'm like, I'm going to make that. There's it's stuff I like. It's stuff people sometimes request. They're like, hey, because when I was at Hawaii in 2016 somebody goes you should cosplay Marjorie Tyrell because you look like her and I was like I don't know what that is and I looked it up and now I love Game of Thrones so sometimes it's suggestions sometimes it's where I'm at sometimes it's stuff I like and it all depends and then also too because I know it's like you know in front of me you have um, some pictures of the flash do you have like do you try to like um, how do I um, put a spin on it do you try to do that I sure do. And I have people tell me that that's kind of what I'm known for is the um, twists I take on characters. Like, in front of me, I have my Zatanna print. And um, Alice Cooper was at Planet Comic Con last year. And I love him. I'm all about him. And so I was like, I want to do something that's kind of like Alice Cooper. Mm -hmm. And so I did a Shock Rock Zatanna where I was able to do his top hat from the Welcome to My Nightmare album art. And I actually met him wearing it. And he's Uh like... You were the best dressed person at this convention. And so, yes, I forever win because Alice Cooper told me that. That's pretty awesome. And then, sorry, Diz, I'm going to ask, what about you? Um, you know, um, you know, what's the process of you to come up with your own costume? Um, honestly, I, I base it on 
a lot of fandoms that I've always loved. Uh, as my skill grows, I start choosing cosplays that I've put in the back of my list because I didn't think I was skillful enough to make them. Um, I've had, I still have a lot of cosplays that I haven't touched because I'm not there yet, but I'll watch a movie, I'll play a video game, I'll read a new manga, watch a new anime, and I'm instantly inspired by a character that I know I could embody, but a lot of it does come with love of a character. I need to know the character, I need to have some form of connection with the character before I can cosplay them. Okay, I'm going to ask, what video games are you playing right now? Right now, I'm playing Hellblade. <laughs> it's um Senua's it's a Senua's uh, journey through um it's it's like a Viking lore movie a movie a video game and um her boyfriend dies she's trying to go back to hell to you know rescue his soul and it's got a lot of Norse mythology um it's very dark it's very tragic it's very difficult to play so I'm playing that right now and I'm replaying Majora's Mask on my 3ds. <laughs> And what about manga? Do you what are you reading in manga right now? Right now I'm reading Nana again, and then I'm rereading Fruits Basket because they're redoing it for net for Funimation this year in April. It's being re-released based on the manga. Um, it was originally released without the same ending as the manga because it hadn't been completed at the time. Now that it's been completed, they're redoing the whole anime based on the manga. That's pretty. How long have you been reading manga comics? Oh Lord! Uh, probably since I was 12, 11, 12. Uh, I I lived in Southeast Asia. I live I've lived in Indonesia, Singapore, and Malaysia. So I I was very um, I was introduced to all of that at a very young age. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, because I mean, because of course you know Hawaii. You know we have a lot of manga comics. Yes. We do. Um, if you guys get a chance. Um, actually, I'll tell you off air which store to go to. Yes. Yeah, and then um, let's see. Well, one store, one comic book store is Other Realms. They have, I believe, yeah, I believe they have a huge manga store. I think I can't remember, but double check with them. I know they have a booth down there. Okay. Sorry, guys. I know we're digressing. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um, um, Larissa, how long does it take for you to make a costume? It depends on the costume. Like, this is just a bodysuit. This is really simple. It took me a couple of days. Okay. And I have stuff that... I have an evil Lynn build from Masters of the Universe that's based on the Sideshow collectible statue, and that uh-huh. one actually took a couple months because there was a lot of different pieces, and it was made out of Warbla, and so it took a lot of, like, sculpting and painting mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. Now, when you talk about, like, sculpting and painting, um, did you take art classes or anything like that? No, I winged it and hoped for the best, and I think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Desiree, like you, De- Desiree, right? Yeah, what kind of That's creep, Clark. Uh, I'm sorry? Des. Oh, I'm sorry, Des. I think uh, I'll just call you Des. Des, so, like, what about you? How long does it take, take you to make a costume? It can take a couple of days, or it can take a couple of weeks, or months, depending on the project. Um, if I'm working with foam and sanding and armor, it may take a couple of weeks for it to dry, depending on the season. In Utah, it's winter right now, so any spray paint is taking forever to dry and seal. So it, it can take months, it can take weeks, or hours. <laughs> it all depends. It depends. And then, did you take any, like, art classes, or... Yeah, I I took a lot of art classes in high school, and uh, so I learned I learned a lot of like sketching and um, painting, which I, I like to sketch all my cosplays before I start them. 
and then I just self-taught myself how to do foam armor and foam weapons. And, um, Larissa, do you have a favorite costume of yours? One that you really like? It always changes. It's always changing. Um, for a while-ish, it's been Marjorie Tyrell from Game of Thrones, just because it was my first full-length dress. Mm-hmm. And it is one that I do feel like a queen in, and I wear it, you know... Every, every once in a while, but I think right now that one's my favorite, and we'll see how I feel about that tomorrow, because I'm actually doing Khaleesi from Game of Thrones, and I put a lot of love into her, uh-huh. so that may take Marjorie's place tomorrow, so we will see. Okay, alright. And Des, what about you? Do you like have a particular favorite costume that stands out for you that you've made? I really enjoy being Domino from Deadpool. It's one of my favorite ones. I... I literally brought, like, I bought a $5 suit on eBay, and I, like, cleaned it up. I, uh, you know, like, I took it apart, sewed it to make sure it fit me. I bought a bunch of fake guns from the toy store and, like, painted them, aged them and everything. And the body paint is really fun to do. Uh, Styling the wig uh, was really fun. I actually cut a very long wig, cut it, and I styled it myself. So I'm, I'm really proud of that one and it's fun to be her because she's sassy like me (laughs) um did you ever get a chance to meet um rob liefeld i haven't but he has liked my pictures i don't know but he's liked my pictures on instagram so i die every time that is so cool that's pretty cool um when you guys um larissa when you guys come to these conventions um you know, do you guys get excited about certain guests that are that are at the conventions? I sure do. When I know I'm going to be booked at a show, I follow them on their social media so I can promote them. But I also follow them to see who is coming to the show. Uh-huh. Just so it's like if there's anybody I want to meet, I can take like 10 minutes, go meet them and come back. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a fan too. Yeah. I'm, I'm really fortunate to do what I do, but... I love this stuff. I am a fan of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do the fan stuff, too. I don't want to just yeah. hang out. Like, I love it. It's great. Um, what was your favorite guest? Um, I, yeah, I'm just trying to see who was your favorite person, guest that you that you finally met or wanted to meet and finally got the chance. I have two that I can think yeah, of. Or like, yeah. I've, I've met a ton of people. I've met a ton of great people. I've made some great friendships with these people. But, like... My favorite person that I've ever met was Alice Cooper, and I've met him twice now. And he remembered me from the first time, and it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, this was great. And then at New York Comic Con in 2017, I was able to meet Jason Isaacs, Uh and I met him in the green room. And this was before Star Trek Discovery happened, like before it came out. And so... I was able to tell him, be like, hi, I loved you in that live-action Peter Pan that came out in, like, 2002, uh-huh. you know, and it was a really cool moment because we sat and we actually talked about the book. Uh-huh. We didn't talk about the movie. We didn't talk about Harry Potter. We talked about, like, the, Har- the Harry Potter. No, we talked about the Peter Pan, like, book, mm-hmm. yes. and it was just a really cool moment for me. That's pretty awesome. And, Des, what about you? What was your, like, your... your fangirl experience sorry the expression but. no you're fine I, I super fan fangirl when I met Sir Patrick Stewart oh I know I know you gotta tell me I I had a photo op with him and uh, I was very lucky that uh, they gave me like a couple minutes to actually talk to him 
So I showed up to the photo. I looked at him and I just said, Captain, my captain. And he started laughing and almost fell off his chair. Because I was the first person he, had, he would be taking a picture with. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he's heard it before, but yeah. not that day. Yeah. And then he was wearing these really cute cowboy boots. <laughs> and I said, he looked really adorable. And then he hugged me. And I'm just like, <gasps> Captain Picard hugged me. I can die happy now. <laughs> and then... Um, him and David Tennant. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Meeting David Tennant was, it was amazing. Uh, uh -huh. Loris and I actually met him the first time at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh -huh. um, at the green room, we watched him eat and converse with his friends. Uh -huh. And then we had a very one-on-one -on -one intimate moment meeting him where he signed an autograph for us. And then I saw him again at Salt Lake. Uh -huh. And I got a picture with him. And I was dressed as a uh, female Logan, old man Logan. <laughs> And he, I was wearing fangs for fun, uh -huh. and he really liked my fangs. So it was it was a cute experience. I I will cherish it forever. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys um, if you can ask this. You know, I'm gonna start with you, Larissa, first. What was your best experience at a convention? It. I don't know if there's like one defining moment for conventions for me, but anytime I get to go anywhere and meet new people and it's like, we all obviously have a lot in common with each other because we all like the same things, but mm -hmm. it's, these are some of the best friends I've ever met. Like I've had incredible opportunities that I don't know had I not done conventions I would ever have in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to go to MCM London last year and I was able to travel out of the country and go to England for mm -hmm. this. Like it's fantastic to do this. Yes. Like just going to conventions is the best part of the experience because mm -hmm. I walk away and I learn so much about the world around me. I'm able to visit other cities, see other cultures mm -hmm. in action and just meet some of the nicest, most genuine people mm -hmm. ever. Like, I yep. um, when you went to London, were you there just for the convention time, or were you there for like a few days before and after? I was there for the convention, and then I had one day after, and so I, you know, it was crazy. It was my first time, like, really out of the country, so I, I didn't know how bad the time change was going to like really affect me and everything, and so. Oh my gosh, I, I need to go back. <laughs> I'd like to go back to London, please. So I can actually like see the city. And it was just, it was incredible. It was incredible to go to an out-of-country convention because um, the cosplay there is amazing. Like, I was there working with some of the voice actors that we have, you know, that do conventions. And so I was able to like kind of spectate almost and not like be immersed into it. And like from what I saw, it was amazing. They do amazing things over there. Um, besides cosplay, I'm just gonna ask: Do you also do any acting on the side or anything? Or no, I don't. I just I cosplay. You know, um, that's that's it. <laughs> I like I have to think really hard about it because I was a theater major in college, and so like I thought that that was what I was going to do. And you know, I kind of like doing this better because I still get to put on the costumes, but I don't have to remember as many things, and I just get to hang out. So. <laughs> Um, I understand a little bit. I did, uh, sorry, I'm kind of bragging and we're going off track, but yeah, I did a little theater, very little, but I can understand. And, yeah, so it's You don't have to remember lines. I don't have to remember lines. I don't have to like, well, no. I was like, I don't have to wear a lot of makeup. Yes, I still do, but it's it's really nice to like 
not have to worry about a performance. Like, I get to hang out and have fun, yeah. but I get to wear the costumes, and that's the best part, so. Yeah. And then, Des, what about you? Is there any, like, one best convention experience, or? I would have to agree with Larissa about the whole, the whole traveling, getting to see new places, meeting new people, and actually having a whole new family out of it. I've made some friends that I genuinely consider family now and being able to travel and reunite with them is really it's really heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Um, I get very emotional about it. And, but I think also one of the exciting parts is uh, seeing seeing people who recognize your costume and are as excited as you are about a certain character. Mm-hmm. I've worn a lot of costumes that many people don't recognize but the minute someone does it's it just makes it worth it to me and children when children are as excited to see us dressed up like uh, Larissa and I were Flash and Zoom Mm -hmm. last year and this little kid dressed as Flash made our day he wanted to run with us Uh he wanted to like pose with us and it was the most adorable thing ever and it's just I just like that it 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 brings me happiness but it brings other happiness and I think that's really really cool with this whole thing that's pretty nice thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah. thank you Larissa thank you Des for sharing that thank you um, I'm going to start wrapping this up so Larissa after Amazing Comic Con where where will you be next which convention um, so I'm going to go to Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle and C2E2 in Chicago for fun mm-hmm. because um, Todd Jones who works for Read Pop is fantastic and I got to go see got to go see my friend and support Todd and then my next like official cosplay guest appearance that I can talk about that I know for sure I will be at FanX in Salt Lake City April 19th and 20th because those dates kind of sound right it's, <laughs> it's a Friday Saturday show so whatever the Friday and Saturday are on April 20th um, I will be there I will be a panelist I will have a booth mm-hmm. Paul Bettany is going to be there so I'm like super excited oh, that's gonna be nice. Vision is my favorite so oh, I'm ready yeah. ready because I, if I'm, I don't think he does too many conventions no the last one he did was mcm london in october Uh and that's actually the only one no he did like rhode island i think 2000 not last year 2017 maybe or maybe i'm crazy but i think he did rhode island and then i know he did mcm in october and then he's coming to salt lake so i'm super excited (laughs) and des what about you um next convention appearances same as Larissa. <laughs> we'll do uh, Emerald City, C2E2, and then uh, the next one that I am able to announce at this time will be Salt Lake Fan X in okay. April. Uh, we will have a booth, and we will be paneling, so that'll be fun. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then again, um, why don't you guys promote your social platforms again? On Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon, I am Larissa Page Cosplay. And then on Twitter, it is Larissa P. Cosplay because my name was too long. So, And Des, what about you? I can be found on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Twitch, uh, all under Des Creepcore. That's D-E-Z-C-R-E-E-P-C-O-R-E. Larissa Des Mahalo, thank you very much for doing this. I know it was kind of. I, I sorry. I I know I was kind of going. I was going one person, and oh, no, then I kind of pulled you in, Des. You know. We have people that call us the dynamic duo, so it's everything together. So if it's so if it's dynamic duo, do you guys do Batman and Robin? 
so far it's Flash and Zoom. Okay. Yeah, so far, flash, but we have a lot of duo projects yeah. coming up. Okay. Again, thank you very much. I'm here with one of Hawaii's own Chad Harden. I know Chad, you're laughing at this, but every time Amazing Hawaii Comic Con comes down here, you're here. So can you just say hi to our fans? Aloha, everyone. There you go. See, you're already Hawaiian. You're speaking the language. You're speaking the language. So, Chad, this is, if I remember correctly, I think this is your third time you're here or fourth? I think this is my, I think this is my fourth or fifth. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think I've been to every one they've had. So, yeah. yeah. And then, how do you guys like the islands? Oh, we love the islands. Uh, we try and make it out as much as we can. Uh, my parents have a timeshare in Maui, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is our this is our vacation spot. So that's that's pretty cool. So right now it must be great for you guys to be away from the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though like it was really weird, it, they said it snowed in Maui like yes. the week before we came out. So we're like, what? You know, <laughs> we're leaving the snow to go to the snow. No, but it's uh, yeah, it's got to be at least forty degrees warmer here than, oh, okay. than Utah when we left. So. Um, I just want to start off. I know you um, started to do the um, Justice League Walmart exclusive, right? How did that come about? Well, um, actually, Jimmy and Amanda asked me to to come back after after Harley uh, to do uh, to do the Justice League uh, Justice League America Giant, which was uh, like you said, uh, going to be the Walmart exclusives. And it was it was really weird how that came about, you know. Uh, Jimmy approached me at uh, at Amazing Las Vegas, and he was like, "He goes, I just need you for one issue." And then one issue turned into two, and ter- two turned into four, and four turned into six. And um, you know, in DC, uh, they really wanted me to, you know, come and and uh, do as many as I can. But uh, I actually took a job uh, as as an art professor at Utah Valley University, and I, I just didn't feel like I could I could give both the attention they both needed. And uh, and so anyway, I I politely uh, after issue I can't remember if it was six or seven, one one of those two, uh, uh, I I basically said uh, you know originally this was supposed to be one thing, yeah, and uh, I'm gonna have to go back to teaching, but but there's always summer, so you know hopefully when summer rolls around I can I can cram in as much comics as I possibly can, but. Uh, but yeah, I just I didn't want to get to the point where I mean the one thing you you don't want to do in comics is blow your deadline. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, a lot of us. And people. right. And so, you know, everybody appreciates it, you know, the honesty more than the bravado. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I have a really good working relationship with DC and I didn't want to uh, you know, I didn't want to basically say, "Oh yeah, I can do it," knowing that it was just too much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 But we had a good run, and uh, they're good-looking pages, and and uh, you know I, I hope that everyone's liking them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and that was the other thing. It was like, do you want to draw Wonder Woman? And they're like, uh, let me think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So now for DC, I've drawn Zatanna, Harley, and Wonder Woman. So yeah, a lot of their female characters. I'm mm-hmm. well, and technically Power Girl too, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. So anywho. I'm going down the list of strong female characters for DC. <laughs> I got one or two left. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been um, um, a professor at the college, or how long have you been working at the college? Um, I, this is my third year, so I'm basically finishing my third year. Um, I've 
reached my midpoint review of, with my tenure, and if uh, that means something to people who teach, you know, to professors and nobody else. But uh, you know, basically, it means I'm I'm on track to become a full professor. And uh, yeah, so I've been there, and I I love teaching my students. Mm-hmm. Um, don't love the bureaucracies. Yeah, I, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. My job, I don't like the bureaucracy too. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, but uh, they're good kids. They're they're hungry. They're eager. Mm-hmm. They're talented, and uh, they're almost they're almost like family after a while. So yeah, it's really nice. Um, please forgive this one question. I mean, and and I don't mean to be rude, but did you ever thought when you're a kid that you be teaching at a university? No, I, I, I don't think I imagined any of this, and not and I always wanted to draw comics. I knew that, and um, and then I started drawing comics, and I was like, okay, you know, I, I made it, I did it, you know, and then and then Harley happened, and I found myself way more popular than I should be, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? I mean, and um, uh, and then. You know the teaching thing was a goal that I had ever since I was young because my my grandmother, my mother, my aunts—they were all teachers—and so you know that was something where it's like, okay, you know, when I'm done playing around, when I'm done being silly, you know, I'll go be a professor. But that's not how it works. Like I'm a professor now, and I'm surrounded by all these real professors who are you know PhDs, incredibly smart, you know, 160, 170 IQs, and and I'm like, you know, the comic. <laughs> so, you know, I do the best I can, but, um, you know, I just got to remind people. It's like, hey, I'm teaching these kids how to draw, not not build a rocket engine to Mars, <laughs> you know, or, or, or clean energy for the planet. You know what I mean? So, anyway, but it's a good time. Like I said, I have good good students. But, you know, just, just listening to talk about literally you're carrying on your mom's you know your tr- the, right. your family's tradition of yeah, teaching yeah. that's great yeah and it, like I said it's it's a lot of fun um, there's parts there's parts of any job that makes it a job mm-hmm. but for the most part when I'm you know when I'm teaching my students and we're in there you know learning it's it's a good time um, I'm sorry I'm gonna still continue on um, did you you started you had a Kickstarter um, project is that still going on it, it is and uh, it, it's one of those things where you know uh, after after working in comics for like 14 years and you know basically putting out a book or even two books a month you would think that you know putting out your own book would be relatively easy and straightforward and that's not what happens I mean basically um, you know when you're when you're doing comics um, you know you get especially when you're working for DC you get very used to like doing a comic and then DC paying you a lot of money. Yes. You know what I mean? And so what happens is you, you go to do your own comic and you get about halfway through it and, and DC pays you, you know, when you get halfway done through your book. Yeah. Well you get halfway done through your creator own project and all of a sudden you're like, I need I need money. Yeah. <laughs> There's no sugar daddy there to you know you know to you know to bankroll this project. And so what happened is uh my writer, who's uh, her name is Jimmy Young. She's one of my former students. She's like, why don't you let me? Um, she knew that I had like over 200 sketches on my phone mm-hmm. that are just sitting on my phone. She goes, why don't you let me make your next sketchbook, mm-hmm. and we'll use the money 
that we make from selling your sketchbook on a Kickstarter to fund uh, you know the rest of uh, Temerity, which is our you know our creative own project. And so I'm sure whatever and 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 she did all the work. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you at all. Like all I did was like hand her my phone, <laughs> you know. And so Gemma did all this work and we and um, we we funded in five hours. It was phenomenal. Thank you, everyone. I, I met a few of my backers here at the show, and I'm so grateful. But uh, um, yeah, the, the the point of that is that we get these books, we get them out to people, but we take that money. And we bankroll the Cradrome book, mm-hmm. and then hopefully we can keep a steady rhythm. Yes. You know, we're we're hoping for you know four issues a year. I think that's doable with me teaching still. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I'm pouring all I can into the artwork. I don't know if you've seen some of the samples. Oh, you know, yet. yeah. I mean, I'm putting everything into it. I'm not I'm not holding mm-hmm. pulling any punches. You know, lots of times with with uh, you know Marvel and DC and, and some of the big publishers. You know the deadline is everything, yes. and and you really don't. You know everything's rush, 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 yeah. rush. You know, and um, you don't have more than a day to do a page. And with this, I'm I'm you know taking taking a couple of days, maybe three days to do a page, and and um, yeah. And so hopefully uh, the audience responds to that and and uh, appreciates the extra time and effort put in. So. I'm gonna ask. Um, I'm, I don't remember. Did Did you mean, mention the name of the book and what's the story's about? Sorry. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, the book's gonna be called Temerity, and uh, it, like I said, it's written by uh, Jimmy Young. It's a story that she's been developing for quite a, quite a while. And Jimmy used to to come to the shows with me and help me help me do what uh, Joy's doing now. And um, and uh, and then uh, she got married and got pregnant and you know started her own family and. <laughs> and we, you know, but long story short, uh, we uh, we always would talk about well, if 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 we had a book that we were just going to do ourselves, like you know, what would we do? And I was like, well, I would do this science fiction book, you know, and because uh, I grew up on like Robotech and Voltron and all this stuff. And I actually, when I started comics, I had a very Japanese style. Oh, okay. And um, you know, but the American comics editors were like, don't do this. Mm-hmm. You you know, we won't give you a work. Got to change your style, so I changed my style, uh, you know, to be much more American, mm-hmm. and um, and so um, I figured if I if I ever did my own book, I'd go back and 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 be as Japanese as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the book's called Tamari. It's um, um, it's about a, a band of uh, intergalactic mercenaries who are extremely lethal, mm-hmm. extremely deadly. But when it comes to their social lives, they're just complete, awkward, backwards, <laughs> moronic, okay. you know. And um, and so it, it makes for some great, uh, you know, uh, great love triangles and, and uh, soap opery goodness, you know. So and and it's an incredible story. Jim Jim has done a great job. Um, it you know I I like it because I like what I'm drawing. Yeah. And at the same time, I think I think the writing definitely appeal appeals to the anime crowd, um, which is like sort of the younger crowd. And uh, and so far, it's been really well accepted. We just need to get it finished and get it out. And so, uh, but yeah, we're we're hoping that it'll it'll uh, it'll be very well received. So, do you have um, do you have like the the Kickstarter website name or what? Where they can? Uh, we're we're gonna 
we're going to do the Kickstarter in, um, in the first month of uh, so May June. Okay, we're hoping to uh, do the launch at Amazing Las Vegas. Oh, that's nice. Um, we had a website up. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still up. I think we pulled it down just so we can get the, the book done. Um, but I, I believe the domain name is temerity.space. So, and, and who knows, we might, you know, we might purchase another domain name. Um, right now, that's the other thing we're going through. We're going through all the legalese. Which is a lot of fun, yeah. I, you know. Lots of lawyers and all that happy crap, you know. But uh, um, so I wish I could point you somewhere right now, but but right now it's it's uh, it's sort of in that embryonic state, mm-hmm. you know. But come June, uh, we should definitely have everything ironed out mm-hmm. and uh, everything ready to go. And so if you want to, you just follow me on Kickstarter. Um, follow me on Instagram, Harden underscore Art. And just look for you know look for the updates there. I'm going to be relaunching my Patreon. Okay. I launched my Patreon at a horrible time, mm-hmm. just at like the worst possible time in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna relaunch my Patreon and really put everything you know into uh, into Temerity and keep our fans updated through my Patreon account. So. I'm going to start wrapping this up because okay. I see a crowd on your table. Real quickly again, your website, uh, where can people follow you at? Yeah, follow me on Instagram right now, uh, Harden underscore art. Probably the best place to follow me. Uh, there's also uh, Chad Harden on Facebook. Um, I have a website. It's horribly out of date. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I believe it's like www.chadhardenart.com. Um, like I said, though, uh, hopefully we'll be updating everything soon and everything will be revolving around... Uh, the creator own works uh, around Temerity. So, and then, um, what's your next convention appearance? Oh, my next com- convention will be WonderCon in Anaheim. Uh, I believe that's like the the third week of March. Okay. Uh, so yeah, if you're uh, if you're in LA, come come see me there. All right, guys. Again, like Chad said, if you're in LA, please stop stop by WonderCon. Stop by his table. Tell him say hi. You know, Mr. Harden. Thank you for your time. You know, thank you very much. Thank you, Hawaii, for having me out. Aloha. I'm here at the amazing Comic-Con Aloha with one of Hawaii's own, David Nakayama. David, welcome to, um, well, wait a minute. Why am I saying welcome? You're, you've moved back here. So um, just say hi to our listeners. You bet. Hi, you guys. It's, it's David. I uh, grew up here, of course, but uh, recently moved back about seven months ago, and this is my first Comic-Con in the States, so pretty exciting to be back for that. I'm going to start off with um, some street cred. So, um, what was your first comic that you that you read? That I read was probably some random issue of Spectacular Spider-Man that I grabbed in a newsstand back when there were newsstands that did comic books mm-hmm. to date myself a whole lot. Um, but the comics that really got me interested in art and comics were Jim Lee's X-Men books uh, in the early 90s. That's when I simultaneously became uh, a fan of comics and a and someone who wanted to become a, a comic book artist someday. And then I'm going to ask, so when did you like make that decision to, hey, I think I really can make a living out of this? Uh, probably post-college. <laughs> I mean, the one was right there, right from what I was talking about. As soon as I saw that Jim Lee stuff, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's, I, it never changed uh, since that moment. I've felt the same way my whole life. But 
I was less sure about my ability to to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was not so sure of my own abilities, and and uh, it took a long time to to feel comfortable in my own skin as an artist, and uh -huh. and it took a long time to to gain the skills. You know, not only college, but a lot of years of post grad, a good seven years in total post grad. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, uh, of wanting to do that stuff. And then, like, um, what college did you graduate from? And if you don't mind me asking, like, your, yeah. your degree and stuff? Sure, yeah. I, I have a BFA in um, visual communications from Washington University, uh, which I went to after uh, graduating Punahou. Sure. <laughs> Everyone always asks you, what high school do you go to? It doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't matter anywhere except for these islands, but it matters a lot here for some reason. Um, anyway, it was uh, Washington University in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, two years at the Joe Kubert School in New Jersey, a year of internship with Mark Silvestri in Los Angeles, and then finally I was starting to get work. So it's been pretty smooth sailing since then, I would say. And then what was your first um, professional artwork? Hmm. I guess you would have to say it was this thing called Star Wars Tales number 7 or 17. Now I forget. Uh, I had a six-page backup story. was my first published work, and that's where I felt like, oh, okay, maybe I can be a professional. Was this, like, through Dark Horse? Yeah, yeah. It was part of the... When Dark Horse had the Star Wars license, it was... Uh, they did this anthology book called Star Wars Tales, mm -hmm. and the issue I'm in, it has, like, an amazing cover by... Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, uh, this, this amazing... Um, film artist now, Ing, I forget the first name, but anyway, and all the other stories are also by people who went on to become even bigger voices in comics. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was cool. It ended up being a really neat project. And then, how long have you been doing this? Doing... The art, the, you know, on the work in the comic field, industry. I guess you would say, if you count from then, that was in 2001 or 2002, so I was an interior artist in comics up through 2004 or five, mm -hmm. uh, and then a couple things happened. I, I, I had the opportunity to transition to video games, which made a lot more money, uh -huh. and I, I had my first child, and so I suddenly found myself feeling like the money I was making in comics was not sufficient mm -hmm. as a new parent, yes. so I decided to go to uh, games, which was a little more stable, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah had had uh, benefits and had weekends and yeah. things like that so it was the right thing for our family at that time but my kids are older now and I've gotten better as a comic book artist and my love for comics never really went away in fact not working on them started like I don't know eating at my soul or something and so I want to say four or five years ago I, I felt really compelled to get back into it uh, and I started doing the covers at that point when you're working with um, the video games, were you like one of the designers, or what did you do? Well, I started off as uh, an associate concept artist, so I was sort of uh, the lowest level uh, artist who two-dimensionally designs the places and the people that appear in video games. And a couple years of that, I, I, I found myself Battlefield promoted. Mm -hmm. they, they had lost to... A lot of people had quit over... A, some random politics in the studio and they, they really needed people who knew comics and knew the game uh, to step up and, and uh, somehow I got the call to become the new art lead so I went from associate concept artist the lowest level uh -huh. to the art lead which is the highest level <laughs> of uh, two dimensional art in the studio and I, I worked on City of Heroes as the art, as the art lead for a while mm -hmm. and then um, 
went on to be art lead on other games after that. Yeah. So when, after you left the like the um, video game industry, you came back to comics. Yeah. Were you doing interior art or just cover art? Uh, just covers. Mainly at first because there were, you know, I was still had my full-time job in games, and I only had a certain amount of time, so I thought, okay, maybe I should do just some covers. That's all I can really afford to do. But then what I realized is that covers are a really different beast than interiors. You know, interiors are more about storytelling in, in a sequential way, and covers are more about making a really bold marketing statement. What can you do to... You know, given the hundreds of choices of comics on the stands, why is anyone going to pick up your comic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's 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 more about marketing, and it's about making the sexiest image you possibly can mm-hmm. in any way you can. Like, it, what are the colors and why? What is the concept? You know, is it funny? Is it like? Is it clever? Um, you know, what is it? What can you do as an artist to hook somebody in? And so, I I really just fell in love with that process you know like making covers is a really uh, unusual and different kind of job and I feel like I'm really suited for it maybe even more than I was as a as an interior artist so for me this is this doesn't feel like a stepping stone this feels like sort of the destination like I really like being in the comic space and I just kind of want to or the cover space and I want to keep developing that yeah that's great um do you have any covers that um, any? Do you have any favorite covers or any covers that stand out for you? Sure. Well, recently it's been going really great. We, uh, I've had the opportunity to do covers for some some of the A-list characters, which hasn't always been the case. But gotten to do some uh, some Venom and some Spider-Man, especially the PlayStation Four uh, video game Spider-Man has been ridiculously popular in games, was one of the best-selling games of the entire year, and now there are millions and millions of additional Spider-Man fans, and they are very excited about the about that character, video game Spider-Man, appearing in the comics. Um, so we're doing a comic right now called Spider-Man City at War, which is a, uh, you know, is stories of that character that players are familiar with from the game with the really cool white spider costume called the advanced suit and i'm working on a series of covers of those so very excited about that so i'm sorry so is it uh is it a marvel storyline the when is it out already it's not out it's been uh, it's been uh solicited which means advertised you know they've said hey this book is coming out in march Um, so the first issue will hit in march um at finder comic stores everywhere and uh, I have a variant cover, sort of a hard-to-get, limited-edition Sinister Six variant cover on each of the six issues. That's pretty nice. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. Okay, so do you, um, the Sinister Six, are we talking like the, the original Sinister Six? Or? Well, here, here's what's cool. Like In the video game, players were uh, I- introduced to brand-new versions of these, these classic characters. So as one example, Electro in the comics has a... A very cartoonish uh, yellow mask with lightning bolts that stick up in seven different directions off of his face. In the game, the, the art style is much more grounded, and so the way they represent that character is those those shapes that you're familiar with appear as giant scars on, on the character's face. So it's immediately recognizable as Electro, but it's more grounded and relatable um, in the game. And so what I'm drawing is 
this new version of Spider-Man going up against each of the six brand new Sinister Six as they appeared in that game, all of which have really cool, unique designs. Do you have any particular favorite Sinister Six character? I have a feeling it's going to be Rhino. Rhino looks awesome. Um, I like it way better even than the movie version. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the original comic version is is sort of an indistinct, almost rubber suit looking thing. Um, in the movies, it got upgraded to sort of this cyborg suit thing, yeah. but it looked a little clunky to me. Uh, and in the games, I think they've kind of perfected it. Mm-hmm. Now, now it looks really cool. The guy looks simultaneously huge and Hulk-like, but also agile. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be the best Rhino I've ever seen. And, and the very next cover I draw will be that one. I, I'm really looking forward to it. So is it going to be, um, is it going to be, I know you said it's a variant cover. Is it going to be like the first issue, the variant cover? Uh, Rhino is going to appear on the fourth issue. Okay. So the way it's going to go is the first issue will have Mr. Negative, who is the main bad guy in, this, in the PS4 Spider-Man game. Then it goes uh, Electro. Then Vulture, then uh, then Rhino, and I'm blanking on the last two, but this is what the characters people would expect from the game. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to start wrapping this up. Um, do you have um, anything else you want to add, like any other any other upcoming projects? Sure, yeah. I, I'm a freelancer, so I have the fortune of working for all sorts of different companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, recently, I had been working for Hasbro. And we put out toys for, for Deadpool and Professor X that have my box art on it. Okay. We've also got a Deadpool uh, and some other cool stuff uh, coming very soon in the future. Um, I also had the good fortune of working on a James Bond cover for Dynamite Comics. Mm-hmm. First time working for them. Uh-huh. Very recently, that's coming out soon. Uh, and I just signed a, a, a deal to work with uh, Valiant on some stuff, so I'm very excited about all these great new opportunities. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool, David. And, um, David, I'm going to say thank you very much for your time. You know, I know we're on the convention floor. It's a little busy. <laughs> as everyone can hear the noise. Yeah. Um, where can people follow um, your social platform, social yeah. media platforms? Sure, I'm on all the major social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter. My favorite is Instagram, where I'm... I can be found under my own name at David Nakayama. Uh, I'm also I got my own website, www.davidnakayama.com. It's really just pretty, pretty much Google my name. <laughs> Very easy to find. <laughs> Not too many David Nakayamas out there. David, again, thank you very much for your time. Um, do you want to say any closing words to our fans? No, oh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for spending the time with me. All right, thank you, David. I'm here at the amazing Comic Con. Hawaii with legendary writer and artist Jim Starlin. Hi Jim, welcome to the island. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a great trip so far and I'm uh, looking forward to coming back again sometime. Is this the first time to your island, to, to the islands? No, I've been here a number of times before. Uh, this is the first time I made it to Kauai and uh, now here on uh, Oahu, so I'm, you know, expanding my universe. <laughs> um, I'm going to make it clear to our listeners, I'm not going to ask any questions about the Infinity Gauntlet or Infinity War, but I do want to make a reference. In Infinity Gauntlet, Doctor Strange is reading a medical journal about an insanity outbreak in the Catskills Mountains. You're referring to your book called Among Mad Men. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, It was a novel uh, my ex-wife and I uh, wrote together. Uh, I did some illustrations for... 
uh, came out somewhere in the 1980s, around the previous to uh, Infinity uh, uh, Gauntlet, and uh, I uh, think George just threw that into the um, into the story. He, uh, you know, wrote uh, the name of it on, and uh, it looked like. Uh, Doctor Strange was referring to uh, this outbreak in the Catskill, so uh, it was kind of a, a talked away thing. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. We thought for all this time we kept thinking that you wrote that in. Um, George, I, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything in the dialogue. Uh, I think he just had uh, the book he was reading, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was George. I, I, I don't remember it exactly, but uh, let's blame it on him for right now. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Can you tell us um, the story about the, um, Among Mad Men? Among Mad Men is about a sheriff in a small town in the Casco Mountains who has two problems. Uh, one, the problem number one is half the people on Earth have either become uh, what they call berserkers, which are homicidal maniacs who are trying to kill each other, other people, or veggies, which are people who are catatonic and uh, sort of walking uh, zombies mm-hmm. uh, his second problem is his wife who he loves dearly uh, is a berserker who uh, always tries to kill him after they have sex oh, okay. so it's a fun story yes because I've started to read it it's great it really is and then um, I know yesterday you mentioned that they're going to re-release it again is that correct uh, we're talking to somebody that would do a re-release of Pawns uh, Among Mad Men and maybe Lady L, I think it is. So they're all illustrated, so uh, this one publisher wants to do some illustrated books of them. That's pretty nice. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep continuing on because I know our time is short. Um, you had a Kickstarter campaign started um, last year, um, and I'm trying to remember Black Book, The Art of Jim Starlin, and Mind Games, correct? Right, they're both out through Ominous, and uh, they're now available through Ominous, and I'm, I'm sure Ominous Press will eventually uh, get them some distribution through IDW. I think they're talking to them about that, but right now they're available online. Um, the Mind Games is an illustrated novel, uh, beginning of a hardcore steri- station series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Book is a collection of different obscure little pieces of art that... Uh, I thought didn't give enough visibility at the time. Some of it's never been seen. Uh, I have the entire eight-page uh, Shazam Captain Marvel story that I did to DC that they decided they uh, were couldn't run because they were going to come out too close to the movie, mm-hmm. which was about ten years ago, and so uh-huh. the movie hasn't quite come out yet. I'm, yeah, I hear it's imminent, but <laughs> uh, that didn't quite work out the way everybody expected. So, but I've thrown all this stuff in there, and I think it's a nice little package. And we're also uh, remastering uh, my complete run on Dreadstar, uh, starting with the Metamorphosis Odyssey through the graphic novel, The Price. Uh, bizarre adventure or uh, uh, epic illustrated things on through uh, issue number 48 which was the last one that I wrote and uh, it's over 1300 pages we're going to be doing a kickstarter on that one fairly soon and uh, I think we'll have that ready for publication and sale uh, about the time the Avengers movie comes out that's going to be nice I'm going to say you got one backer right here I'm going to be I'll be jumping on that kickstarter campaign I'm not blowing smoke at you. I am going to, you know, support I sure, it. I sure hope enough folks buy it. I worked hard on getting those <laughs> colors right. <laughs> <laughs> 
the last thing I want to talk to you about the Hero Initiative. When Roy Thomas was here at Comic Con Honolulu, he talked about it. Um, he talked about it. Um, is there anything you want to add about the Hero Initiative? I think it's a great little organization that everybody ought to contribute when they have a chance. Basically, what they do is uh, supply money for medical expenses for cartoonists uh, who can't afford their own insurance. Uh, they were very helpful for Bernie Wrightson when he was passing, uh, so I try and help him out any way I can, and uh, I hope everybody does eventually. And then I'm just going to mention that for the Hero Initiative, um, if you're at a convention, um, um, part of it, part of your um, autograph fee goes to the Hero Initiative, is that correct? About half of it, yes. Okay. You know. um, where's the next convention appearance you're going to be at? Let's see, uh, Kansas, and then I think after that is Great Eastern in New Jersey, but I'm all around this summer. Mm-hmm. And it'll be, my Facebook will be announcing it, and I'm sure the people who are having the conventions will be doing plenty of promotion, but I'll be... I'm bloody everywhere this year. <laughs> um, well, um, how can people? Uh, where can people follow you out on your social platform? Uh, I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's open to the public. Uh, I'm jammed up uh, on one of them, but I have two of them. There's a fan page also. You hunt around, you find it, and you know I try and keep up to date with it. But I'm not always the best on that, but I try. Mr. Starlin, thank you very much for your time. You know, it's an honor to be talking to you, interviewing you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. You know, um, any last words? No, uh, go out, read books, enjoy. Thank you very much. All right, you take care of that. Thank you. I'm here at the Amazing Comic Con Aloha, and I'm here in the Aspen Comics booth with one of the co-owners, co- co-owners all right? Co-founder, yeah. And then you're, and Frank Mastromaro. Frank Mastromaro. Yep. Frank, I'm going to have to just call you Frank because I'm going to be butchering your last name. Trust me. I'm half Japanese and I still butcher Japanese names, you know. So, um, I'm gonna ask so just a street crit. So, like, um, did you grow up reading comics? Personally, I did. Yes, uh-huh. I've been reading comics since I was around five, six years old. Uh-huh. My favorite of all time, for most people that do know me, know Incredible Hulk. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, he's been my favorite character. Uh-huh. Obviously, all of our stuff. I've been working on it for yeah. over 20 years now with everything. So, mm-hmm. I love all of our characters just as much. But yeah. I mean, my biggest soft spot is probably Incredible Hulk. I'm just gonna. I'm going off the cuff here. Um, are you reading Immortal Hulk? I am. It's How are super, you? Oh, sorry. It's super cool. I, to be honest, I get my issues from our Aspen store in Ohio. Oh, okay. So I get my. I don't get it monthly. I get my comics every couple months. So I've only read through issue four. But about a week ago, I just got in our latest shipment and I got all the latest issues. Yeah. So I can't wait to get back from this convention that I could read them sometime next week. Oh, no. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. I'm gonna have. Do you have like a complete run of the Incredible Hulk series, or no? I do, I do. But hold on. Well, I take that back. So, not from issue number one forward. I, I wish, but I did start my collection from 180 forward, and so I have I have 180, 181, of course, with Wolvie, and then everything else since then. So I have a giant Hulk collection. I love it. Oh my God! You jumped in at the right time. Yeah. Well. Honestly, I was just a little kid when that came out, so it's not like I got that when it first came out. But when I started collecting Hulk, I built backwards. So thankfully, knock on wood, I bought that issue years and years ago, and it wasn't nearly as expensive as it is now. (laughs) Um, I know we're kind of going off track of... Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever get it autographed or anything? I didn't. No. Okay, all right. Me, personally, once again, growing up... 
the big time for me with comics was the early and mid 90s of course and the image explosion and all that stuff and I went to Comic Con for the first time when I was 14 years old and I got signatures I met Jim I was meeting Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane and all those guys when I was just a teenager now some of those guys are good friends of mine but I got a bunch of their signatures but truthfully honest I, I didn't step back too much in regards to signatures mm-hmm. I would just kind of get what was hot at the time or what, what I liked but uh, quite a bit of my collection is signed and it's all personalized mostly to Frank so it's not like I could go sell it mm-hmm. but uh, yeah again I never thought about getting my 181 signed I don't just never did yeah. never did besides the Incredible Hulk do you have any other um, series or characters that you love and read sure uh Dale Keown's Pit. I mean, Dale Keown's always been my favorite artist, so that was always one of my favorite series. Obviously, I'd be remiss without saying Saga. Uh, that book's amazing. I really love that book. Uh, haven't read too much brand new stuff, but overall, I've always been a Marvel kid, even though we also did a ton of work for DC. So throughout the 15-plus years we've been around, I've got to know really intimately a ton of the DC books, and I've found a good affinity for those. So obviously Dark Knight and all, all those different stories now are, are amazing, amazing. And I miss a lot of those growing up, but thankfully now I, I've been able to visit all of that stuff, and, and I love it. So I'm just a huge comic fan in general. Mm-hmm. When the movies come out, everybody's like, oh, do you love it? Do you hate it? Da-da-da. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I love it all because I want it to all be successful because when all of them are, are good and all of them are successful, they help everybody else who's trying to do it. So especially us, the yeah. position we're in, working on getting our our stuff made into movies i i always want to see people succeed for sure i like stuff better than other stuff but i i don't i don't feel it it's conducive or helpful to tear things down obviously you want constructive criticism and you want to give good feedback but everybody tries and everybody has passion for what they're doing sometimes it just turns out better than other times Mm -hmm. so uh it's all it's all good because I, I, I like seeing a lot of people succeed and hopefully that'll help us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I'm going to continue on. I know um, I'm going to let our listeners know I'm not an Aspen Comics reader. Oh, I picked no. up issues the here and there. Over. The interview's over. Yeah, the interview's <laughs> over. He'll drop the mic. Leave. <laughs> but, no, that's fine. but I'm slowly picking up. Um, I think I picked up I think I think picked a series, one of the miniseries, um, Assassination Iris? Yeah. 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 It's still in my reading stacks, as as our listeners know, I have tons of stacks. <laughs> I hear you, and I'm sure. But, yeah, Executive Assistant Iris, that's definitely one of our big popular titles. We just had a brand new book about a month ago come out called Executive Assistant Iris Visions, which is a new concept that we've put out this year, sort of an Elseworlds-type story oh, okay. uh, that wraps around Iris, Fathom, and Soulfire, three of our biggest books, kind of presents them all in a different light changes the characters around things like that so it's a lot of fun but executive assistant iris we do have a brand new volume one reprint trade coming out early next month mm-hmm. because it's been sold out for quite some time a lot of people look for it yeah. uh, we're currently working on that as a feature film so there should be a lot of good stuff yeah. in the in the future for iris oh, okay. so. all right um i just want to ask like a little bit about the history of um aspen comics i know it was started out correct me if i'm wrong 2003? Yep. Okay. Yep. We debuted in early 2003. Uh, we left myself, Michael Turner, we left Top Cow, the company we were previously at, where we both worked on all the titles there, Mike doing Witchblade, of course, mm-hmm. and that's where Fathom originated, and then we brought Fathom with us to Aspen when we started Aspen. So 
at that time Mike finished his final Fathom story that went on for the new artists and the new creators Michael started working on Soul Fire that was the book that we launched mm-hmm. as Aspen in 2003 and it's been going strong ever since so for us it's definitely been a, a challenging 15 plus years mm-hmm. up and down obviously losing Michael was the biggest challenge anybody could have ever overcome but I, I commend all all the men and women at Aspen who have worked really really hard on all the books on all the properties and and persevered through through a lot of a lot of hardship because so many other companies have come and gone and, yes, and yeah. closed down for reasons you know not even on that level so for us I'm really proud of what we've been able to achieve in the time frame and putting out 30 plus different properties mm-hmm. over that time and just getting a lot of great books out to the fans that we hope they mm-hmm. they love mm-hmm. yes. um, when you guys launch Aspen um, did you what was your guys Describe what was your focus? Because I know, like, the big two is always the superheroes. Do you guys, did you guys want it to be different? Sure. So, we didn't know, truthfully, if Aspen was going to be around six months, six years, or six days. Uh, it was something that, it was a lot of, a lot of nervousness, but also a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. And with Michael Turner, of course, we, we felt, hopefully, there wasn't any way we couldn't succeed, and so when we were building Aspen and coming up with the concept around the origination of the company, we knew it would be focused around Michael's properties. That's why the very first piece we ever put out included Fathom, included Soulfire, included Ecos, which actually still never really even came out, but uh, hopefully one day it, it still can. But that, that was the initial concept, mm-hmm. just, get, just get Mike's books out. Okay. Then... As we started seeing success with that, we started saying, okay, well, what's the next property that we've been thinking about that we've wanted to create, things like that. So along came Shrugs, along came Existent Iris uh, with our friends Brad Foxhoven and David Wall. They brought that over to us, and we just started developing more and more. And over the years, we had so many opportunities, and I'm truly grateful for them, of people coming to us with different licensed properties and things like that. And... Uh, for us, though, it was never a matter of wanting to become a licensed property. It was about doing the hard work, do, working on our own books, our own creations, and getting those out to the world. Mm-hmm. So that's why over the 15 years, you never really saw anything from us that was based off a popular video game or comic yeah, book or something. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've done a lot of work for hire with Marvel, with DC. Yeah. We worked for NBC for years. We worked on the Heroes TV show comic books, which a lot of people didn't know. We yeah. did that for four and a half years. We, we, we've done a lot in the industry but for us once again when it came to our brand to Aspen Comics we always wanted to, to make our own path and to tread our own water mm-hmm. you know forgive the pun but just, just to make sure that we, we could be proud of all the properties we put out and know that all the hard hard work and all the hours that we put into all this stuff is ours mm-hmm. no slight to any other property because oh, yeah. we love so many video games and cartoons yeah, and all that stuff yeah. but other people do that way better than us so we we stuck to what we thought we were good at and now here we are 15 years later still chugging along yeah that's i mean that's right because when you when you mention that you guys you know don't have any licensed properties that that's right yeah so that's definitely been a tough road because honestly those properties make a lot of money for people and i know boom and dynamite and all those guys are good friends of ours and i know they've had great success with Power Rangers and Red Tony and all these different things and that's fantastic and of course 
that we're leaving money on the table because we're not doing that. But then on the flip side, we are in control of all of our properties mm-hmm. yes. and we're pushing everything yeah. forward into other media and things yeah. like that. So it's it's a very fulfilling feeling of knowing that after all this time, we're finally to a point where we're getting that stuff moving forward into all those other avenues mm-hmm. yeah. and it's our own stuff. Yes. That's really cool to me. Yeah, that's great. Um, you mentioned, I forgot which comic series you guys are looking to that's going to be turning into a film or maybe turn, going well the two things that are actually on the forefront right now that we announced probably early summer last year was the Fathom and Soulfire movies David Mizell who is one of the original founders of Marvel Studios mm-hmm. who if any of your listeners have ever seen any single one of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. he had a hand in the first phase and most of the second phase and everything and he has been a good friend of ours big fan of ours for quite some time and we wound up working out a, a deal where now he came in and co-owns Aspen with his partner Scooter Braun who's one of the most hugely successful music managers around and those two guys are spearheading a brand new movie studio called Mythos Studios and they created that in turn to make all of the Aspen properties into feature films into animated movies things like that so Fathom and Soulfire We've been down that road plenty of times with Fathom, uh, several times getting very, very close, Mm -hmm. making it into a live-action movie with Megan Fox and things like that, and then I got the rights back, and so now what we're doing, we're refocusing all that energy. What's going to be happening is we're going to make them into fully animated movies Mm -hmm. in Michael Turner's style, so we're really, really excited because hopefully the goal is to achieve something and put something on screen that has never been seen before. So many people are used to the Disney model and the, yeah. and the Pixar style and things like that and we just want to break new ground and hopefully have something that people look at as the next big thing and, and go whoa I, I, I want to get into that and we're really excited it's it's just the beginning but it, it's starting and we, we can't be we can't be happier and I know Mike's smiling from ear to ear mm-hmm. knowing that his properties will hopefully live on in all these different formats and all these and have so many different people around the world enjoying them. Mm-hmm. So it warms my heart every time I talk about it. Well, that's great. And, you know, I look forward to when they finally not only announce it, but when they say it's in production and, you know, this is the release date. That's, you know, then I'll be like, I'm going to see this, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Looking forward to that big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big time. It's been a long time coming, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sorry, we're going to continue on because I'm going to try to, because I know, even though it's a little slowing down a bit, I'm going to still continue on. Sure. I'm going to start with my friend um, Drew, uh, quest, Drew's, Drew's questions. Drew is from Comics for Fun and Profit. So he um, has four questions for you. Okay, sure. the first one is, the comic industry seems incredibly challenging to be profitable outside the big two. How has Aspen been able to produce comics successfully you know, in this environment for the last, and I'm going to say 16 years. Yeah, 16 years. Question is, I have no freaking clue. <laughs> but the truthful, the true honest answer, though, is we, we've definitely done our homework. We've been in this industry for 20-plus years. Uh, myself, Peter Seigewald, a lot of the people that work with us. We've thankfully just tried to maneuver the waters mm-hmm. uh, w- with our rates, with our books, with our publishing schedule. We, we don't try to oversaturate the market with a lot of different properties and things yeah. like that. We 
any Aspen fan knows we average maybe one to two books a week. Mm-hmm. There's some weeks where you don't see any Aspen stuff in the store. We try not to go too long without something, but over the 15 plus years, we, we've really learned where retailers sit with us, mm-hmm. how we can support mm-hmm. them, yes. how they can support us, just work well with doing exclusive covers, things like that. So we've just tried to work smart because obviously our books don't sell nearly as well as Marvel DCs do. Yeah. And we understand that. We're not trying to compete with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love all those guys. We do a lot of work for them. Yeah. So if you've purchased a lot of different Marvel DC titles that we've done, you've probably inadvertently bought our stuff without even knowing. Mm-hmm. But for the Aspen properties, that is something that we've always looked at very minutely and made sure that we don't go over budget and don't mm-hmm. overspend and don't overpublish. And we just stuck stuck to our guns. We, we run a very trim operation. Uh, myself, Peter, we co own the company. We also help set up the cons. Uh, we, we don't spend fr- frivolous money. It's not as if we don't want other people working with us and things like that. But hey, if I can do it, might as well. And then that saves me from you know paying drayage or paying other people to set up at conventions, things like that, right? So just over the years, we've we've built our own production schedule and our own convention schedule and all of that stuff that works well with us to help help save where we need to and then when we when we do spend money hopefully it shows in the books so and and just aside from publishing obviously we've done a lot of hard work with getting our digital library up on multiple different platforms things like that we have a very lucrative online store that sells all of our books daily you can go to aspenstore.com and pick up anything we've published pretty much from the last 15 plus years Uh as long as we still have it around and we try to make sure that we're very much a people person company that was something Michael Turner prided himself on Uh and something that he raised all of us in that same way Uh, we love going to conventions we know these are the people that support us and Uh buy all of our product and we love meeting them and being here to sign and that's just how we've treated everything over the last 15 years and thankfully it's worked out for us because I mean Really, in a nutshell, you guys are living within your means. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. And for sure, once again, when it comes to license things and other opportunities, we we, we try to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And for sure, we've worked on other big, high-profile books because it was a nice paycheck or a nice work-for-hire thing, something to that effect. But for the most part, it's Aspen Properties paying attention to that and publishing the books, just like you said, within our needs. I'm just going to wait for... And I just did part of the interview with our loudspeaker above <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, actually, I'm going to go to this one. Sure. For a publisher your size, what is a substantial number of sales to keep a single issue comic afloat until trade release? So, as I said previously, I would love for our books to sell even more, right? But I, I understand the marketplace. I understand there's never been a better time now in comics where there's been the most availability of all different books, right? So for us, we, we try to we, we have a number that we try to hit with all of our books, uh, several thousand minimum. A lot of our books sell more than that, thankfully. And then combine that with digital sales, with uh, direct sales to, to consumers and to other retailers and things like that. For us, once again, we try to work a little smarter, not harder. Uh, obviously, when we bust 
10,000, 15,000 sales with certain books. One Fathom, Soulfire, the two flagship books sometimes hit that. Uh, our book, Lola XOXO by Sia Um, that book sells really, really well. So obviously, those books are fantastic and that allows us to try other more personal books mm-hmm. it was a lot of things we put out last year like a brand new book called portal bound which did well obviously i would have always hoped it sold sells better but it did well mm-hmm. and then over the summer we premiered a book called new way and jordan gunderson's dissension war eternal and both those books did did well for us so that's the one good thing about aspen as long as we can hit our quota hit our number mm-hmm. we we can also try other things uh this particular year you want me to move right into yes. number two for yeah. what new books yes. we have coming up so for this year last year was daunting it was our 15th anniversary and we had a lot of books uh-huh. probably more than we even should have like 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 i'm saying i'm, I'm a bit old hypocrite because i say we try not to publish too much each year but last year we probably did a little too much um but this year we're trimming back back to normal uh, our big book releases this year, we have The Return of Peter Hunter, Peter Sutterwald's Zoo Hunters, yeah. which we're really, really excited about because it's been on hiatus for quite some time. But Peter's finally back in the saddle getting that book done. So issue four comes back in April, and we're, we're oh man, it's been too long. We're really excited to have that book back. Then in May comes the release of Fathom number one, volume eight. Mm-hmm. So we're already up to volume eight on Fathom, and the new series starts in May for that. So that'll be a huge book for us all summer long. Then in June is the return of Michael Turner's Soulfire, Volume 8, Number 1. Yeah. So that'll start up in June with, with Soulfire hitting. And then in July is the return of Sia Um's Lola, mm-hmm. and that will be the start of Volume 3 with issue number 1. So April, May, June, July, for those four months, we have a new book coming out each month, and then those will continue on through the rest of the year. And then we're still kind of planning out a few special things for the fall, but... We're not going to have tons and tons of new stuff, just a, just a couple things peppered in here and there, but those four books will be our big substantial properties that we have coming out for 2019. But the thing is, it, it's like you said, you guys have a plan. It's like you're releasing, it sounds like you're just releasing a, a new book every month, which is nice. Instead of trying to do, well, we're going to release a new book every week, and then we're going to have, you're not going to have the um, fans like me going, do I buy this one or this one? Well, you know. Exactly. And that's one of the things which I feel we ran into just a little bit last week because by all means, I understand our Aspen fans. Uh, if everybody had you know, money to burn, that, that'd be one thing. But I know it's a, it's a very you know, stri- rigid, strict amount each time. And uh, we pushed a little over last year, and there was a few times where people probably did have to choose. Mm-hmm. So this year we're trying to once again just have a much tighter much more streamlined schedule one brand new property a month for four or five months and then let them let them come out naturally each month and, and progress through the storylines and have a few cool things peppered in here and there end of summer early fall and then go into the holidays with everything tapering down that's usually how our Aspen production schedule rolls anyway we hit a crescendo during the summer months where we're at a high with a lot of books that come out things start to taper down to, to the fall and the holidays during december january months we don't have that much that comes out mm-hmm. because a lot of people are going away and it's really tough to stay on a, a very tight schedule like we like with so much different things going on so for us it just helps out that our schedule runs on a cycle like that throughout the year but that's that's pretty smart because usually my understanding is usually december january usually the great correct me if i'm wrong Comic sales in January, February are kind of down because P 
people blow, I mean, comic fans like me blow all our money on Christmas gifts, and I'm kind of going, walking in, going, oh, you I, know, I got to skip. I, exactly. Over the years, so many of our close personal retailer friends out in California, Mike Wallman from the Comic Bug. Hey, Mike. Uh, he, you know, all, all these guys, we've talked to them over the years, and they tell us, yeah, over the holidays, because I, I would always like, oh, hey, how was sales this week and everything? Like, same as usual, probably even less, because at that time, you do get, of course, your regular Wednesday, you know, hardcore buyers that come in for their books, but you don't get a lot of the holiday sales at comic stores, or at least in general. I'm sure certain stores do well and everything, but in general, a lot, it's just same as usual. Mm -hmm. So for us, with our publishing schedule, we try not to have anything too crazy or anything huge or too lucrative come out in the December, January time frame. During that time, we're concentrating on prepping all our stuff for February, March, April and getting all the spring stuff set up. And like right now, we're in all of our summer stuff and we're getting all of that set up. So we try to always be about three to four months ahead in, in production and about a year, year and a half in planning. So right now, we're coming into March we're planning the rest of 2019 right now yeah. for the holiday time frame once again and into early 2020. Mm-hmm. And then probably by early summer, we'll have our whole 2020 schedule done. Mm-hmm. That way, yeah. by this coming summer, we know what we're doing next summer. Uh-huh. So that's about our time frame. That's pretty good. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. Sure. Besides talent, what characteristics do you, do you look for in hiring aspiring comic book writers and artists? Sure. So aside from talent itself because that's of course what we look at the most uh, we always try to make sure that we gel with the person that was one of the biggest things when we very first started Aspen we met quite a few people who we wanted to hire and Marcus Toe Micah Gunnell Coy Turnbull a lot of those guys we brought them out had them stay with us for a week or two at the studio got to know them just to make sure it's a good working relationship you never know uh, some people gel instantly some people don't gel ever and for us we treat Aspen like a very tight-knit family. You, you can ask any of the people that have worked for us over the years. Uh, we, we treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. We want them to enjoy the success of the books along with us mm-hmm. and enjoy going to conventions with us and have fun and meeting all our fans and everything. So we, we've, once again, like I said, Michael Turner built a great family. We try to extend that with the people we work with. So I always look for the human characteristics in a person not just the talent Mm -hmm. just to make sure that there's someone that we do want to bring into the fold obviously there's been hits and misses just like anything but for the most part over 15 years I feel like we've done a very good job doing that Mm -hmm. and I feel 99% plus of all the people that have worked for us are all really great people and have done such a fantastic job and Mm -hmm. put their hearts and souls into the properties Mm -hmm. they worked on so I no, no complaints I I'm really proud of that fact. If, if we had to close up doors tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, I would, wouldn't regret an instant of the people that we've worked with and the choices that we made. Um, for sure, other things, yes, but, but in that regard, uh, I'm very satisfied and happy with the people we've worked with and the people that I know we have coming up that we'll be working with over the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Is there any new um, writers or artists that we should keep an eye on at Aspen? Oh, sure. So, in fact, two people, so Mauricio Campatella, who is doing the new Fathom volume, his art looks ridiculous. Uh, great guy, and we're really excited to have him on Fathom. And then Raphael on Soulfire, Forte, uh, his, his artwork is just stunning. When he, when he showed me his 
portfolio I did a review of his last year I, I kept asking him these are your samples because they were incredible and he's bringing a whole new flair so this year with Fathom with Soulfire we're trying to really step it up on those books uh, we do we try every time but this year it just seems even more concentrated to that fact so we're really excited and then I know what Sialum, what she has coming up on Lola is just ridiculous. I know people are going to love it. So what's cool is we have a lot of mainstays that people are familiar with that they'll be able to look forward to. Plus, just like we've always done, which is something I'm completely proud of at Aspen, we're cultivating new talent and getting them onto new books because so many people that have worked with us in the past have moved on to such incredible projects. Jason Fabok started with us and... You know, he's one of the monsters at DC now. Yeah. And, I mean, Mirka Andolfo, she did one of our earliest books. And Sana Takeda, who is on Monstrous, yeah. she did one of our earliest books. And all, all these all these men and women, uh, that we just, uh, I'm grateful that we've been able to work with such talented, incredible people that have then moved on to bigger and better work and are now making massive, massive names for themselves. It's really cool. I'm going to say no. And... Sorry, I gotta jump in, but no, it's not bigger and better work. Okay. They're just different. No, because how you're running your company is, it's, it, it's it, 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 what you're telling me is smart. You're living within your means. You guys know how to work smart. And I'm gonna say this: it's, it, it does sound like a knock to Marvel, but we're, they're not putting out like 250 books a month. Sure. And if you look at it, what maybe 20 of them are really good. You know, and but again, it's that. But that's Marvel. That's 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 the their that's their that's their work style. But you guys, you guys know how, what works for you. And you guys stick to that plan. Sure, sure, and for sure, Marvel and DC are such different animals. And once again, they answer to so many different people. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the problems, wrong word, but one of the situations that they're always involved in is there's always agendas for different things. Mm-hmm. So. It's not as if, hey, let's just go tell a really cool Spider-Man story now, right? They have to wrap it around so many different things. And this movie, and this is happening, and this is going to be happening with the cartoon, and da-da-da-da-da. So there's so many, you know, fingers in the stew or the pot, whatever. And it's just really difficult for them just to sit back and be creators and make great stories. And and I get it. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And I actually commend them for for doing that because it's so difficult. And... We're, we're on such a different scale. Yeah. Uh, I like to look at us almost as the Pixar of comics. Uh, we, we try to put as much quality and as much time and energy into our books as possible. We take a little bit longer on our productions and things like that. So for us, totally different world. I never feel like we're competing with those guys. Like I said, we still do huge projects for them, and we're proud and honored to. And I love working on those characters. As I said, Incredible Hulk's one of my favorite characters. I grew up loving Spidey and all those guys and so when we're capable and able to work on those books uh, I love it I, I love it I mean Incredible Incredible Hulk is on my on my phone as my you know back so it's not even one of our properties you know everybody always laughs at me because they're like how come it's not one of your things so you know it is what it is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan as well even though I own my own company you know but, but I think that going back you guys through the 15 16 years now you guys stuck to the core. That that's the key thing. I mean, sure. just just from you know during our interview, that's it. You guys know how to work smart. You know how to. You guys know the ups and downs through the year. 
how to plan things out, live within your means, not to try to mass produce and then, sure. you know, I. Th- sure. That's great. Yeah. Sure. No, we definitely we tried, and just like anybody, we've had tons of missteps. I mean, I've probably made more mistakes than I've made right decisions. But over time, we've learned. Yeah. We've tried to correct those mistakes. We've tried to adjust, tweak things. And I think that's the one good thing about myself, Peter, Vince Hernandez, Mark Roslin, Gabe Carrasco, Megan Shirk, all, everybody at work who is our, our family and our support staff and is always with us day in, day out. I mean, all these men and women work so hard to keep Mike's vision alive and keep Aspen a successful, thriving company. It's not easy. It's not easy. And we've definitely made mistakes. But we, we've learned and we try to push forward and and correct those. And so far, we're, we're still standing. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about that. Frank, I'm going to wrap this up because right now it's 440 on Sunday afternoon, the, the last day of the convention. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little punchy. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, any last words to our listeners? Um about Aspen Comics. Sure. Well, I'm very proud of where we are. I, I miss Michael Turner every day of my life. But if you've never looked or checked out an Aspen comic, now is the best time to do so. We have a really cool book coming out in two weeks. It's 25 cents. It's called Aspen Comics 2019, The Look Ahead. You'll be able to pick it up at any comic book store that orders it. If they don't, ask me to get it for you. It's only a quarter. You can see all the cool stuff that we've put out in the past, all the cool stuff we have coming up. Once again, we have some great announcements coming up in the very near future about our Fathom and Soulfire feature films, plus other stuff that's in the works. So now is a fantastic time. If you haven't checked out Aspen, please do so. All of our stuff is action, adventure, sci-fi, fantasy. I'm sure there's something you can find that might suit your fancy, so check us out. Frank, thank you very much for your time. Just thank you very much. No, thank you. And I'll be remiss to add in, you know, you can find us at on Facebook, on Instagram, or on every social media channel. Our website is AspenComics.com. You can pick up any of our books at our AspenStore.com. We're all over the place. Any comic book store can order us. We go to 12, 15 different conventions a year all, all around the country. So come say hi if ever you're around, and we'd love to chat you up and get you interested in our books. All right. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you very much. Aloha. This is Sia Ong. You are listening to Comics for Fun and Profit with Kyle and Drew. You can follow me on Instagram, uh, Sia underscore Ohm. Please pick up Lola XOXO when it comes out this summer. Thank you.